I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. <laughs> Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. What are we firing up a game of NHL 02? 03? Let's play. I'll be Atlanta. I'm down. This is awesome. Let that ride out. <laughs> you won't find Kevin Fiala in that particular rendition of the video game, but uh, he's getting. Uh, He's getting paid video game numbers, if you ask me. He's up at uh, $7.85 million a year for Kevin Fiala. And yeah, he got paid based on a career year. He sure did. If you missed the top of the show, the Swiss-born former 11th overall pick of the Nashville Predators, who was playing in Minnesota uh, for quite some time. Last year, it was on just a one-year deal, $5.1 million for him. And he had the best year of his career, 85 points. 33 goals uh, to put that in perspective he hadn't ever eclipsed 50 points oh yeah i lied i lied he did in 2019 20 at 54 points but to jump up to 85 i mean that's almost the definition of somebody doing everything right in a contract year to get themselves paid he got himself traded because he was about to enter free agency and there was no way minnesota would be able to uh, make up uh, the cap space that they're about to lose this year because don't forget that ryan Suter and zach parisi in those cap recapture penalties those start to impact the salary that Bill Guerin, the uh, general manager, has to deal with in Minnesota next year. So call Fiala a cap casualty. Coming back to Minnesota, they were able to salvage a first-round pick from Los Angeles in this trade, and they also pick up Brock Faber, who uh, is the captain of the Minnesota Golden Gophers team. They, uh, they sort of bring him home, if you will. I'm sure if you're playing hockey in Minnesota now, it's probably a thrill to think about playing it uh, throughout the rest of your career, or at least the beginning of your career. Uh, remember, it is the six-year anniversary. Now, hard to believe it's been six years, but yes, six years since the one-for-one one Taylor Hall for Adam Larson trade. Uh, Lyle has texted 780-496-063, said, Taylor who? Adam who? Arms War says, Larson went to the playoffs three times, while Hall went to one and got the Most Valuable Player Award once. Edmonton won this trade by a razor blade margin. What do you think? Dean says the Oilers needed Taylor Hall and were desperate for a defenseman. One of the most useless trades ever. 100% show trade. Complete stalemate. 
Well, if you look at it, I mean, Taylor Hall spent uh, four years in New Jersey and was just under a point per game for the Devils. 208 points in 211 games. He was dash 12. Adam Larson, you might be surprised to learn, was actually a plus in his five years in Edmonton. Plus five. Obviously, we won't see the points totals there from the defensive defenseman, but the metrics, not all that bad. Larson lost for nothing in the expansion draft. He wanted to make that choice and, and stepped out to Seattle and, and well, he left a bit of a void, but a void that I think Cody Cece did a much better job for the Oilers in filling in than, uh, than you may have originally anticipated. 780-496-0063. What are your memories of that one-for-one trade? And if not that one, uh, a great question on Twitter here from an old friend, Liam Harobin, just says, since today is the anniversary of the, the uh, Taylor Hall and, and Larson trade, what's just one trade the Oilers have made that has rubbed you the wrong way? Could be any of them. I mean, if you're a long-standing fan, I'm sure you've got plenty of long-standing opinions on something like that. Could it be the Chris Pronger trade? Well, that'd be the obvious one. 780-496-0063. Let me know. We're talking NHL in this half hour. Dennis Bernstein. Maybe you've heard him on your SiriusXM account. Maybe you've seen his work with the fourth period. He does the Hot Stove podcast with the fourth period. Uh, and he, I believe, actually works out of L.A. So we'll endeavor to find out a lot more about how this deal impacts things in the Pacific Division moving forward from DB in a, a few minutes here on Inside Sports. Also coming up later on, we'll hear from Edmonton Stingers President Reed Clark at 7.35. It's the Canada Day game a day early. I'll go and check it out at the Expo Centre tomorrow. And Luke Prokop had an appearance on Oilers Now. We'll get to that after the 7 o'clock news. Was this trade on your radar? I mean, did you think that we would see Kevin Fiala go to open market? And, and if if he did, was he an option for the Oilers? I know his name was at least being bandied about. you, you got to figure that if Evander Kane doesn't land here and maybe if Yesapoyarvi ends up in a different town, well, they're going to need somebody to play the wing. So you got to at least figure that Ken Holland had this somewhere on his mind was Fiala going to be a possibility if he hit the market and what was the price tag going to be I don't know that I saw 7.875 per season for Kevin Fiala I mean how much else of the game does he impact we'll find out what Dennis Bernstein thinks he doesn't really strike me as that quintessential two-way type of forward. He's always been a plus in his career. He's plus 17, five years in Nashville, four more for him in Minnesota. But as I mentioned, like last year was kind of the anomaly in what has otherwise been a uh, career, uh, now an eight-year career, might I add, for Kevin Fiala that has seen point totals of 48, 39, 32, 40, like kind of middling Production, middle six production. If I'm paying a guy $7.875 million, I'm expecting top-line production. I think he'll slot in well, frankly, along Anze Kopitar or Philip Deneau, whoever ends up with the, the number one role in Los Angeles. But let me know what you think. 780-496-0063. I promise you if the Oilers were in on him, they weren't in on Kane. And I promise you because the Oilers are in on Kane, uh, the odds were pretty slim that Fiala would have been coming here. I don't think Kane's going to fetch that same number. Big difference in age between these two players. Not a big difference in production, but yet I still don't see Evander Kane fetching 7.875. That's a pretty lofty number. We'll step out here. 
I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. On Inside Sports 640 in Edmonton. And when we come back, we'll have Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period and Sirius XM. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Brendan Escott sitting in tonight. Dave Campbell on his way to Hamilton and Wilkie. Wilkie's probably on the golf course. <laughs> We're talking about the uh, the six-year anniversary of the one-for-one one Hall for Larson trade. We're also talking Kevin Fiala is now a member of the Los Angeles Kings, who you may or may not remember did put up a hell of a fight against the Oilers in the opening round of the playoffs. The two teams essentially uh, you know, evenly matched in the standings as the season came to an end, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how or if the trajectory of that rivalry or that matchup changes now with some more offense in LA's lineup they gave up a first rounder this year to get him as well as last year's second round pick uh, Brock Faber who was the captain of the Minnesota Golden Gophers he's a Minnesota product so uh, the shoe fits there uh, Texota Calgary says that Gretzky trade is the one that rubbed me the wrong way 780-496-0063 it was Pocklington's greed that led to that one if he could have stayed in Edmonton another 10 years I bet they would have made more money in keeping him Cowtown Bob says good evening I think the the most important hockey story today is the sponsors moving away from Hockey Canada we'll talk about that a little later on in the show Cowtown Bob I will not miss that one Howie says uh, the the Hall Larson trade kept looking for a third or fourth or a fifth round pick that we were going to get along with Larson it never happened and then I knew Shirelli lost a another trade which was the story of his tenure here well I don't think anybody lost the trade that was executed today to break it down we turn to Dennis Bernstein from the fourth period in Sirius XM Dennis you're on with Brendan appreciate you taking the time this evening how you doing always great to be talking to people in Edmonton I was up there three times over the last couple of months so I spent a lot of time at uh, Joey's and the ice trick and had to talk to you about this trade and other things in the NHL well Dennis I'm glad you got to see it at a good time of year we like to show the city yeah. off in June and July and uh, and maybe not not too much other than that but yeah you were uh, you were all over the place for Sirius XM love listening to you in the, in the fourth period guys the trade today was this one was this on your radar did you see L.A. making a move for a big fish like this? Yeah, they had to, Brendan, because when you go back to the season, even though I felt they overachieved, <clears throat> they made the playoffs, they took your Oilers to a uh, seventh game, this team couldn't score. They're 20th in scoring. They had the worst shooting percentage in the league. Uh, they had to address their top-line player, and they needed a top-line player. There was speculation if Johnny Gaudreau or Philip Forthor got the free agency, and they haven't yet because we're not to the 13th of July, would they be a player for that? Uh, this was a great trade for this team. This is a player, I think it was fifth in five-on-five five points. He's 25 years old. He aligns with the, the younger core of this team. Um, it was something they had to do because – 
expectations are great, but now since they made the playoffs and they took Evan to a seven-win state, they couldn't regress. The one way they can't regress is through scoring. This is a necessary need for this team. Love the move for L.A., but understand also why Minnesota did it as well. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe talk through that. I wondered how much of it, if, if not all of it. They weren't going to be able to re-sign the likes of Fiala because of the cap penalties they're going to have next yeah. year. Uh, that was, I'm sure, their reason for doing it. And they get to recoup, you know, a first-round pick and, and a Minnesota guy in Brock Faber uh, from last year's second round. So just talk about the return. How do you think Minnesota did? I think they did as best as they could, Brendan. Um, the first-round pick... Maybe they go for a goaltender. The Wallstack kid might be their 19th overall pick. And Brock Faber, Brock Faber's going to play in the league a long time. He's not the offensively gifted player. And when you look at the Kings' depth chart, you look at their prospect pool, the one player they didn't want to trade was Brant Clark, the kid who they drafted eighth overall this year. That's the more offensively gifted player. But Brock Faber's going to come in this league, probably t- play 10 or 12 years. Maybe the comparable might be around Ryan McDonough. So, best Philly Guerin could do, it's a good, fair deal. But there's no way, as you mentioned, Sometimes you get about those big deals, and with the big buyouts, what, $14 million in cap space, a debt's packed space next year for Minnesota, it was a necessary move for this team. They lose an excellent five-on-five player who, who despite the inferences, did not play with Kirill Kaprizov. A lot of people thought a halo effect with Kaprizov, but most of the time Kevin Fiala played five-on-five. He played with Matt Boldy and Frederick Goudreau. Matt Boldy, the young center, is the guy that got him going last season. But again, understand why um, Minnesota did it, but now the, the beneficiary of that is the LA Kings. They are a much better team today than they were yesterday. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of reason to believe that 85 points in, in an 82 games in the right environment anyway for him is is certainly repeatable, and I say that just because the that kind of production hadn't really been there. Maybe that's mm-hmm. his breakout year, but he was also in a contract season. What do you think about that? Well, uh, the comparable on this team is Adrian Kente, who they waited forever, Brendan, forever to emerge. And six seasons in, he emerged and became a 35-goal scorer. So you want to draw a comparable to waiting on a player and player emerging and it's a career year. Well, Adrian Kempe had a career year. He had 35 goals. But now play uh, Kempe with Kopitar and Fiala on the top line. You have the second line. That was a great second line. You know, the, the number one player in points in L.A., after July, uh, January 1st last season, was Trevor Moore. So you have Trevor Moore, Phil Deneau, and uh, uh, Victor Arbiton on the second line. This is a legit top six now. So I get it. I understand that. And people could say, yeah, career year. But, again, this is a player who's just blossoming, 25 years old, and he plays to their style, Brendan. Like, he plays off the rush. He's quick. He's fast. He's got great moves. It's exactly the profile of player they needed to make. They needed to make a dynamic need uh, add to this team. And when you look at their prospect pool, I know people love it, and they're the number one prospect pool. They didn't have this type of player. They had forwards, but they're not dynamic. The one guy they hope that will be a superstar will be uh, uh, Quentin Byfield. But I, I think time, place, t- a point in his career, 25 years old, aligns with a younger group of kings. So, yeah, he may not hit 88 points or, or whatever next season, but he's going to be 30, 40 guys, and that's what you need to take the next step if you're the LA Kings. Yeah, we're talking with Dennis Bernstein right now from the fourth period and Sirius X. Um, big deal today as we see uh, Kevin Fiala move to the West Coast, and we know how tight a matchup that was and how thin a margin it was between Edmonton and, and L.A. I 
wonder how much this moves the needle for Todd McClellan's group. I, I wanted to ask you about how well you thought he fit in that system. And, and I, I just, you know, I see such an offensive player and think about how well they did in the neutral zone in particular and sort of slowing down what it is Edmonton likes to do. So you right. see Kevin Fiala really fitting in with that in that aspect of things too? Brendan, if the Kings had Fiala in this playoff round, they would have beat Edmonton. That's the one thing they couldn't do. They couldn't beat Mike Smith in the last two games. They got two games at home. They got two goals at home uh, when they lost 3-2 uh, in game six, and they got shut out in game seven. So, yeah, and remember, Victor Arvidsson was hurt um, during his playoffs. They got a herniated disc. He's had surgeries uh, uh, subsequently. Yeah, this is the something. If they, There's one more trade they can make, Brendan, and they actually have the assets to do it. If they can figure out a way to get Jacob Chikrin out of Arizona, and they and there's players on the on the prospect pool that Arizona likes, then I'll say this team can win the division. And they're going to be contender anyway. Now, here's the thing. I mentioned the progression by this team last year, but remember, Vegas was all banged up. They were really injured last year. you got to think they're going to be better. They add Bruce Cassidy. Vancouver had a lousy start. Bruce Boudreau came in, and if you look at their record, uh, yeah, they, they were a much better team with Bruce Blue Jones. So the Kings had to stay in the race. They couldn't stay in Pat, and, and they were at the point in time in this rebuild, in their development, where they had to make this trade. I've been, but now be honest, I've been begging Rob Blake to make a trade like this for two years to uh, to take your assets and trade for established talent. This is what they did today. If they make one more move, and they have to make a move on the left side, D. All they have really. Uh, uh, Olimata and Alexander Eller are unrestricted free agents are now coming back. They have Mikey Anderson there. Toby Bjornfoot was a scratch during the uh, uh, during the playoffs, a healthy scratch. So they need a more offensively gifted player on the left side. So it's not a complete puzzle yet, but they do have cap space, even though they need to sign Adrian Kepi to an extension. And uh, they have the assets to do it. So I don't think Rob Blake's done. He has probably one more bullet in the chamber to shoot, and it would be for the left side defense. And then... I'll, I'll stack them up against anybody because if Calgary leaves, if, Cal, if Johnny Gaudreau leaves Calgary, they're going to regress. And Edmonton, you know, they've got to figure out the net. They've got to figure out Evander Kane. They've got to figure out their depth. So the Kings going to be right in the mix next season, I think, for a division title. It's going to be a lot of fun, Dennis. We're chatting with Dennis Bernstein yeah. right now. And and how could you possibly think that it would be more fun than what we saw this year? I, you've, I've been covering hockey in a sort of fraction of the amount of time that you have. And, and to me, this is probably the most exciting postseason that we saw just for the style of hockey that was being played, for the matchups that we seemed to get. Edmonton's run and gun, for better or worse, was fun to watch. Uh, just yeah. talk, in your opinion, how much did you enjoy this NHL postseason? Well, I think not only me and you, Brendan, but look at the fans in the States. Look at the, the ratings on ESPN and, and TNT. They, they set records. They, they tripled, the, and granted, NBC Sports Network was a small network, and sometimes they didn't know where the games were in the playoffs. Like, they had playoff games here on True TV and ECNBC. This year, it was ESPN, ESPN2, and TNT. Yes, and not only that, look at the future of the league. Every major award winner was 26 years old or younger. Like, this is, and they certainly want to get to the younger demographic. The scoring was up more. The two best teams made the, made the Stanley Cup final. It was a great Stanley Cup final. This league is just it's just on the cusp of doing something that I think is great and it'll get a lot more viewers. It was so much fun watching it. It was enjoyable. And I think just, you know, it, it just going to, I think next season's going to be even better because we're going to have a full season on time. We're not going to be playing games at the end of June. Uh, I think uh, the league is going to go nowhere but up going forward. Great chatting with you tonight, Dennis. How do people find your work? Uh, the fourth period.com. 
um, Dennis TFP on Twitter, and uh, SiriusXM, I seem to be on there almost every day. I'm on tomorrow, actually, from, <laughs> from 5 to 6 Eastern with uh, Steve Coolis and Shane O'Brien. And also, you mentioned, thanks for mentioning the hot stove. That's on from 9 to 11 um, on Saturdays for people in Edmonton uh, for the next couple of weeks uh, through uh, free agency. Dennis Bernstein, thank you so much. Enjoy your evening. Always great talk to you in Edmonton, Brendan. Thanks for the time. Thank you. That was great stuff, and and what an exciting thought. I mean, maybe not so much in the, the idea that Edmonton's competition is going to go up next year, but you want your team to beat the best. You want to be the best, you got to beat the best, and it sounds like the Pacific Division got a little bit more serious as Kevin Fiala arrives. And, hey, do we see Jacob Chikrin end up in L.A.? I wonder. Do we see Brant Clark next year? I wonder. L.A.'s an interesting one because... Yeah, they're they're a good playoff team. I don't know how much I love their goaltending relative to Edmonton's situation or what it could be next year. Jonathan Quick looked as good as Mike Smith, yes. I don't think I trust Cal Peterson any more than I would trust Stuart Skinner in a similar situation. So eh, I guess we'll see how that goes. By the way, the Memorial Cup has been settled. It is... Yes, staying in St. John, the host Sea Dogs winning it on home ice. Didn't they just didn't they just do that with Jonathan Huberto not that long ago, like 2011 or something like? Anyway, I'm not gonna preach to the Edmonton crowd about winning and winning and winning and winning. St. John gets it done. The Oil Kings do not, but you will still hear from one of their D-men, Luke Prokop. He is the CHL's Humanitarian of the Year. He was on 6.30 Chad's Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer earlier today. You'll hear all about that award and the season that was. And then we're talking hoops with Edmonton Stingers president, Reed Clark. They've got the Canada Day coming up a day early, but you'll want to be at the Expo Centre tomorrow night anyway. It's Brendan Escott here on Inside Sports tonight. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.